0: You know, we've been talking about Zion, my trip to Zion, incredible park if you've never been there. And I told you about how I went to the park, and I was going to get all these incredible pictures with my incredible camera, but because I was afraid of the heights, I didn't get those pictures. And that we kind of correlated that with our relationship with God. That a lot of times we try God, but we kind of go in the park, we go in the gate, but we don't actually walk the trails, so after we've kind of tried God a little bit, we walk out and say, well, Christianity, it really doesn't work. It really didn't do anything for me. But for most of us, we never take the trails. We never climb the heights. We never do the hard thing. We never go on those trails that have been marked out by God so we can get that amazing picture of that sunset or that overlook or that amazing picture of uh, from the mountaintop. So we've been kind of learning about yeah, we may be Christian, and maybe we go to church, and maybe we believe in God, but but are we really walking the trails? Because I know some of you are incredibly disappointed with God, and disappointment with God is a real thing, and there are issues about that. But for most part, when I find somebody that's disappointed with God, and I begin to ask them, hey, did you take the trail to the, to, the, to the right that went up to here, and did you follow the markers that went up? said, this part, and then did you go there? And it's like, no, I never did that. It's like, I read the Bible once. I'm really not too interested. Or I I went to church when I was a kid or whatever. Let me encourage you that God wants you to, to take the trails. And yes, the trails are going to be difficult, and they're going to be hard, and they're going to challenge you. You know, if you're looking for a trail in the kingdom of God that agrees with everything about you, you're not going to find that trail. But it is a trail that will bring you to a place where you will experience the love and the view of God for your life, like none other. And so we've been talking about a bunch of trails. We talked about the trail of marriage. We talked about the trail of following after God. And uh, today we're going to be talking about parenting. And if you're not a parent here, it's it's not. Oh, but that would have been a dad joke, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be an parent. If you're not a parent here, um, that uh, I, I just want to let you know that these principles apply even if you're not a biological mother or father. We have Simon Kilminster works with young men that are recovering from alcoholism. And even though he doesn't have a biological child, he has fathered so many men and women out of recovery in the hardest times, in prison, in jail, uh, in the moments of suicide, he's been there. So let me encourage you, these principles do not apply only to biological parenting, but in helping anybody in difficult times of life. So we're going to be talking about parenting, and I don't think there's anything that puts more stress on an individual than parenting. Um, And you're going to hear some things today, if you're an older parent like myself, that you you may say, well, crap, I wish I I knew that 10 years ago. Or, well, I really messed that up. Today you're going to have to allow the forgiveness of God to flow into your life. Because nobody's done it perfect here. I mean, the ideal of parenting is so large in people's minds when you're stepping into it. And the responsibility, and it's like what you want for your kids is so large, we almost kind of set ourselves up for a failure. You know, every single one of us have had difficulty with it. So as you hear principles, and you may be like a dad like me, and you may be like, you hear one of these principles, and you're like, oh, crap, I wish I had done that. I know this, that Jesus changes everything, absolutely changes everything, and allow God to move your life with forgiveness and compassion, not only for the people around you, but for yourself, because it's not over yet, and the power of influence you have is still continuing. So, so when we think about parenting, we have an ideal, and the Bible has an ideal that... Co- that, gives, that we're given from the Bible and from Scripture, and it's the, the intention of God. It's like, what's it all about? What are kids all about? What is being a parent all about? What are we trying to achieve? And so the Scripture gives us this ideal, this, this kind of like what's in the mind of God. What's he thinking? What's he after? What, what is he trying to accomplish in life? And so Isaiah gave us this incredible verse about the intentionality of God, and it goes this way. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. And it's like, wow, that's the desire of God. And when you look at that, and you're like, well, that's cool. That, man, that my kids would be taught by God. I mean, by the Lord. That they would learn from the Lord. And not only that, that great would be the peace of our children. I don't think there's a parent here that doesn't wish that they could have the insight of God, that their children could know God, have the insight of God, the wisdom of God, the peace of God in their life that gave them peace throughout their lives. Every, that's the ideal. But you all know we're living in a little blue planet where the ideal doesn't seem to work out. Matter of fact, God creates Adam and Eve, puts them in a garden. They're—they're. They're, uh, uh, I was going to say buck naked. Is, that, is it buck or butt? it's kind of like falling off the wagon. It's like when you're on the wagon or you fell off the wagon. I I kind of forget because I've been on and off the wagon so many times. Maybe I hit my head or something. But God created them. They were naked. The Bible says that, so don't get offended. They were naked. And uh, God comes down in the cool of the evening and fellowships with them. They talk. They're not ashamed of themselves, they're not ashamed of each other, they're not ashamed before God, and God creates this place where there's flourishing. I mean, everything they plant grows, everything is just flourishing. That was the ideal. But we all know in Genesis chapter 3 that the ideal does not remain for very long. And it doesn't remain very long in parenting either. And that Adam and Eve fell away, the next thing that we know, they're covering themselves with some fig leaves, and then God comes, and they hide from God. They're ashamed of themselves. They're ashamed of themselves with each other and with God, and and the ideal seems to be lost. But from that point on, God puts in a plan to redeem the ideal that human beings are created in the image of God, that we can flourish that we can experience love and fellowship, that we don't have to live in shame, that we don't have to cover ourselves with our our success and our accomplishments. And so God created through the cross this way to get back to the ideal. Well, let me just tell you, there is a restoration of the ideal when it comes to parenting. So what's the plan? Proverbs 22, 6 gives us the plan of God for restoring the ideal. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Kids aren't born perfect. I mean, I know they're cute, and they, I mean, don't you love this? I, I have a grandchild right now who is seven months old, and he still has that, sm- that smell, right? You know what I mean? When you put your nose to their, their heads and you smell it's just like they just smell amazing, you know? And, and their breath is amazing until they eat beef. And then when they eat beef, it's funny, like everything changes. And so kids start off and you're like, well, they're incredibly perfect. They're amazing. But I'm telling you this, kids untrained will wreak havoc on the earth and upon themselves and everyone else around them. Oh, they're amazing. They're beautiful. They're cute. But by the time I was in the three-year-olds in VBS, I don't know how that happened. I, I thought I was in, in charge around here, but somehow I ended up in the three-year-olds. Well, I thought it wasn't twist and turn. I thought it was, a, they say it's a twist top theme. And so by the time I was all done with, with uh, the three-year-olds, I was looking for a twist top. I mean, it was like these kids, are, were, <laughs> my daughter's looking at me like, Dad, I cannot believe you just said that at church. No, um, my, these kids, about an hour into it, I was gone. I was, I was sitting in a corner just rocking back and forth, and I was, I mean, I just couldn't. I mean, and these cute little kids, when they came in, they were done. You know, about an hour into it, they were losing their minds. I had this one little boy. I was sitting there, and he just comes over, and he sits right in front of me and looks at me and then goes, ah! And I'm like, hey, what's up? And I mean, it was just like absolute crazy. And, you know, it's like, and they were only three years old. So uh, training is, I mean, genetics can do something for you. Okay, g- genetics may uh, get you over six foot. Genetics may make you allow you to run a sub-four-minute mile. Uh, genetics may give you the raw genius to understand quantum mechanics. But knowing goodness, truthfulness, compassion, and self-control, those are all from God those are all trained there is no child that is born of man that is born with those elements and unguided and untrained we will wreak havoc on the planet so you may have loved the idea of having kids but you really didn't sign up for the training kids thing you know it's like i didn't sign up for that i love having them but i i i really didn't sign up for training well let me just tell you you are never not training your children. They're watching you. When you decide to be absent from the training of your children, you have trained your child that they don't matter to you. You know, we, we train our children in everything. What we watch, they get interested in. Most kids here, hey, raise your hand if you are rooting for the same football team, college or pro, that your mom or dad rooted for. Could you raise your hand if you did? okay. They, exp- they affect our, sp- you know, you watch dad watch the Vikings, then you're watching the Vikings because there's no other reason why you would watch the Vikings. I mean, there's no other motivation to watch the Vikings. I mean, I mean otherwise you'd watch a winner. But that would go for cowboy fans too, you know? So, um, okay, let me get back on track here. So what am I saying? We are training our kids all the time. They are soaking it in. I was play, uh, doing a puzzle with Ireland, my granddaughter, the other day, and we were sitting there, and uh, it was hard. I mean, they they challenge her with like Rubik's cubes type things, and she's like three and a half, and they want her just to kind of like think uh, critically and difficultly. And so we're there, and I'm like, crap, I can I don't know how to do this puzzle. And so I'm kind of like doing this, and then Deanna's sitting right next to me, and she taps me on the foot, and I'm like, what? And, and I look over, and there, and there is Ireland looking at it, shaking her head like this. And then I, so I started going like, hmm, I wonder what I should do. And then the next thing you look, and there's Ireland going, hmm, I wonder what I should do. She's she's not playing a game with me. She is mimicking everything I'm doing. Your kids are mimicking, you are training your children. And you're like, well, no, I don't do it. I'm just a dad. I just kind of come in. I do my, my wife does most of it. It's like, no, you're training your kids. You're letting them know what dads do. You're letting them know what a man is. You're letting them know what a woman is. You're letting them know, and I'm just going to take that turn there. The reason why we don't know what a man and a woman is is because we decided that we weren't going to train and we were going to let our children's feelings determine the havoc that we're experiencing in our society. This is not because some genetic changes happened in Homo sapiens. No, it's because parents aren't training they're just kind of like, you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. So I, I'm sorry I, I went down that road, but you are, you are training. And also, if you have an older child, see, my, all my daughters are in their 30s. I have one daughter that is, is approaching her 40s. I am as much training her as I ever have been training her. I am, I am living out before her. She's asking me about parenting. She's asking me about failure. She's asking me about success. She's asking me a lot about God. So wherever you are in it, you are training. When you go up to your child, and I'm, I talk to fathers. When you go up, when you're here today, and you're like, oh, crap, I really messed up with my kids. And when you call them today, or when they call you today, or you seek them out because it's Father's Day, you seek them out, you call them say, hey, listen, I know you're angry at me. I just wanna say, I'm sorry. I didn't do it all right. And I know I didn't do it all right, I'm sorry. They may not say anything, and you may just say, listen, I'm about to hang up, I'm just gonna hang up the phone, but I just wanna let you know I'm sorry. I'm telling you, you have just changed the trajectory of that young person. I don't care if they're 20, 30, or 50. You still have the power to transform lives and to train people to experience the best of God. So. Train means a bunch of things, and I'm just going to touch a few words here. Um, in the Hebrew language, it, has, it, it implies some things. And here's a couple of things that the word implies. It means to dedicate. Train up a child or dedicate. And, and I understand that we're talking about train up a child in the way they should go, dedicate a child to a, to a way that they should go. Uh, and we talk about dedicating the child to the Lord, and that's cool, and that's great but you're gonna be doing most of the bottle feeding. You're gonna be doing getting up most of the night. You're gonna be the one driving them to school at junior high. You're gonna be the one making some of these decisions. So it's not only a dedication unto the Lord, but it's also a dedicated, dedicating of yourself to raising of that child. It's interesting that this word is used mostly in the Hebrew when dedicating a temple or dedicating a house communicating the ownership, the responsibility of that particular piece of property. When we buy houses today, we get a deed, and that becomes our house. But when you have a house, and it's an interesting law in South Carolina. I like the law a lot. It's called the Castle Doctrine. Anybody heard the Castle Doctrine? Yeah, the Castle Doctrine. That means that you have a right because your house is yours. It is dedicated to you. You have the right to defend that home, to protect that home. So that means that if you're busting in to your, you know, somebody's busting in your house in the middle of the night and, and, you know, you have to respond. The law says you have the right and the responsibility to defend your property, to defend your home. Somebody's trying to get into your car while you're at a stoplight. You have the right because of the castle doctrine to defend that because that house is yours, that family is yours, that car is yours, that little one sitting in that car seat in the back, that is yours, and you have, you are dedicated to that and you have the right to defend that. So part of this training up a child in the way they should go is this idea that you have the responsibility to fight for them, to defend them. All the all the junk that goes on in the world. It's it's our responsibility to train them to defend the house. That it's your responsibility to to mitigate what from culture is disseminating into their souls and what's formed this. This means you have to fight everything and everyone that is coming against the principles of God in them, even if it means fighting them. And this is where we kind of lose courage is that I don't want my kids to not like me. I want them to think I'm the cool mom or the cool dad. You know, there's enough people in the world for your kids to think are cool. It's, it's not one of your necessities. It's not, your your parent, your kids don't need you to be their cool friend or their cool dad or their cool mom. It may work out that you, you can pull that off too, but what they need to be know is that you are there to dedicate them to the principles of God, and the work of God, and that you'll, I mean, there are many times when, you know, and Deanna will tell you, she's all of a sudden having a secret relationship with a boy I don't know about, and I told boys when they came up to my house, every time they dated the girls, the boys, the guys that are married to my daughters can tell you, when you came to my house, you had to ask yourself one or two questions, bag or mulch, uh, because I was, if you do her wrong, I will either bag your body or I will mulch your body. But you better not do anything wrong to my daughter. And you say, oh, that's kind of like uh, toxic masculinity. Yeah, you know what? I don't think so. I think that's castle doctrine. I think that is defending the work of God in your daughter, in your child, whether your son. or. And so God calls us to stand up. Instead of letting all the junk from culture just flow in from, from uh, Netflix... You know, you got to put a lock on Netflix like you got to put a lock on your front door. you got to have a weapon against, uh, against the junk on the internet like you have a weapon to protect your home. It's not only your right, it's your responsibility as a parent. Number two, this word train-up means to display, to model, to model the way that a child should go. So I love it that... Parenting, I wanted it to be, this verse to say, tell a child where they should go, and they will not depart. It doesn't say that. It says you got to train them. But I was raised in a way that, you know, kids should be seen and not heard. And if I told you to do something, you just do it. Because I told you to do it. But we're finding out here that the Scripture is talking about, like, no, though no, this dedicate means you're dedicating yourself to model out what it is that you're looking for. To accomplish, Christ needs to be modeled out. Our kids will watch our lives. I'm going to show you a, a beautiful, precious video. It's a video of a young man pumping gas for his mother at a gas station, and he has a conversation with him. But it, it, it's not funny. It's just funny because you're being petty. That's why I I'm laughing. Well, you're not being petty. You have a point, but it's just like, just cause you saying it, that's why I'm laughing. Mama, look, let me tell you something. So look, and I just saw it. And what I just saw right now was pitiful. So look, I come, you know, pump my mama back, pump my mama gas, being a gentleman. <laughs> and I just look, I happened to look and see a man sitting in the passenger seat with the girl pumping the gas. And I'm like, uh uh-uh, uh, nah uh. That that's not how that go. <laughs> the men supposed to pump the gas, not the ladies. The ladies didn't did a water. Right. So that men needs to pump that gas. Yeah, they need to get off them, their butts, and pump that gas. Get, get on them two feet that God gave them. And pump the gas. And pump that gas. Stop, Stop letting them women pump that gas. Stop while it. Why you sit in the car? Yes, sir. Pitiful. Yes, sir. <laughs> Shout <laughs> it. Uh, that... <laughs> absolutely incredible. You say, well, that's just a good kid right there. Like, no. That kid saw somebody. That kid heard somebody. That child had something displayed, whether it was the mom or their dad. This child was given an ethic, a quality of behavior. They saw something, and they modeled it out. So let me ask you, what are you modeling it out? Because you're modeling it out if mom and dad, if you're both in the same home and, you know, how you argue. That's a modeling. If all of a sudden you start throwing words at each other, it's like you're modeling that they're seeing, oh, this is how you do conflict. This is how you talk about women. This is how you talk about men. But kids need to see when we dedicate ourselves to train up a child in the way they should go. We are dedicating ourselves to modeling it out. So the real question is, is what are we modeling out? It's so important because they will copy it. I love what Deuteronomy 6.7 says. It says, impress them upon your children. He's talking about the principles of God, the truths of God, the compassion of God. And he uses the word impress. And this is a word that's kind of like from foundry, the idea of a poured metal, and then you take a stamp, like putting it on a coin, and you impress it. He says, impress the principles of God, the compassion of God, the truth of God. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road and when you're pumping gas and when you lie down and when you get up, when you take them to school, when you get in an argument with your husband, when you get in a conversation, a conflict with your wife. He's like, he's not saying, no, you go to church. You go to church to learn that. And you go to church on Sunday morning, you learn. It's like, no, mom, dad, you're supposed to be, you're, you're the foundry. You're you're pressing the principles of God onto your child. You teach them. When you get up, when you go and shopping in the store, you know, when you're walking down the aisle at Lowe's, when you're at Walmart, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, oh boy, I'll have to be calling my daughters today. Because i tell you what, the way I've displayed life when I'm in traffic is just absolutely pitiful. But This is what the scripture is saying. Your kids will listen more to you than they will listen to our youth pastor. They will listen to you more than anything else when you're getting up in the morning, when you're picking them up from school, and all those things, it's so important that you train them in the principles of love, the mercy, and the forgiveness of God. Third one is this, this word implies to direct, to offer a system of growth. Do you have a system of growth? I mean, really, uh, I'm going to talk in a second about training versus manic. Because we do a lot of manic parenting. That means response in the moment. And it's kind of like we just try to resolve the moment. Blow out the candle, get the, get the difficulty gone, get it fixed, get whatever. Get the lunchbox to the school because it was forgotten. And we do a lot of manic stuff. But it means to direct. It means that there's some sort of system in your head. Some sort of worldview, some concept of life, concept of goodness and truth. Do you have that established? And we can help you do that here at Crosstown to establish a God worldview and to help develop that system. But it's so important to have a plan, a system in place. God, it's kind of one of these weird stories that comes out of the Bible, and there's a few of them in there. This comes to us from Genesis chapter 18. God comes down and appears in what's kind of an angelic form, in um, a humanoid type of form. He does it a couple times, and, he, and it's called the angel of the Lord, And he's, but he's kind of appears to this guy named Abraham. He becomes kind of a b- big guy in the faith, and uh, he appears to Abraham. And he's got two angel buddies with him, and they're kind of talking over what's about to happen next, and there's this little town called Sodom over here, and, and they got to deal with some injustice that's going on in there. And so God shows up with the two angels, and they appear to Abraham. And so they're talking with Abraham, and Abraham prepares a meal and all, and, and God and the angels are get, get up because they're about to go do what they need to do. And, and then all of a sudden, God has a conversation with the angels. Now, we know God knows what's in his head. But whenever God has a conversation out loud and, like, asks questions and things, he already knows the answer, but he's doing it so that we can hear the conversation. He's talking out loud so that we can learn something. But the interesting thing is that he's about to talk about, he's about to talk about Abraham. He's, and, and I want you to hear what he says about Abraham. So when they rose up, Abraham was walking to them to send them off. And the Lord said, implying to the other angels, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Like, he's like, we're about to go down here and do some heaven business down there. Uh, uh, this is my buddy, Abraham. I, I should probably talk to him about this. And he listened to his logic. He said, I'm going to talk to Abraham about what to do, since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. For I have chosen him, so that he may command his children and household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. I thought that was interesting. I mean, if God was walking along with a couple of angels and they were talking about you, what would he be saying? You know? Um, I mean, he'd probably be saying, I can't dribble with my left hand. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things that he may be talking about. But he would be talking about Abraham, he's like, "Oh yeah, I know Abraham. We need to let him know. Why? Because he will command his kids the principles of God. What an interesting qualification for God to speak to you about things in the future. A lot of us want to know about what God's going to do in the future. What's going to happen to America? What's going to happen in our lives? What's going to happen with our children? And God's kind of like got this attitude. He says, I will tell those what is going to happen when they start happening the things I've already told them. And he says, Abraham's that kind of guy. I can trust Abraham. Why? Not because he can bench over 250 in the gym. Not because he makes over 100,000. Not because he's a great bricklayer. no because he will command his children. And this word command is not this this macho word, but it means to lay down the charge, to have a plan, to lay it down, and and to put a system in place. And that's what he's talking about, that Abraham parented with a mind of God, a view of God, a worldview of Christ. And he laid that down. And he said something like, Joshua, it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And yeah, does that make you have arguments sometimes with your kids? Yes, it does. Does it make you throw cell phones a couple times when, when your daughter's got a secret relationship with a boy that she hasn't told you about, but I've already forgiven her for, but I'm going to throw her cell phone anyway because that's not happening in my house? Yes. My, wife, my daughter, I, I told her, you can't take that boy. It's like, okay, Dad. She dates him anyway. I told you, you're not, you're not dating that. Because I didn't like the boy, okay? I didn't like the boy. He didn't love Jesus enough, and I didn't think he was the right one for her. It's like, you're kidding me. What business is that of yours? She's my daughter. I will die for her. I have the command from God to train her in the ways of the Lord. I want the best for her. I've been through a divorce I don't want her to experience what I've experienced. I want her to know. And so, sure enough, she wouldn't listen to me, wouldn't listen to me. All of a sudden, I got that cell phone. And I'm like, so this is your phone here? Yeah, yeah. And I remember checking it across the room, and it was sticking out of the drywall. I'm like, are you getting it? I am not going to tolerate this in this house. Uh, you say, wow, you're crazy. Well, you think I'm crazy? Um, my daughter leads worship here with Ricky sometimes. My daughter has a beautiful little daughter named Ireland. That's my granddaughter. Has a loving, amazing relationship with uh, with uh, what's his name? Brian. <laughs> <laughs> See, when you're a dad of <laughs> when you're a dad of girls, everybody else is inconsequential. Okay, everybody else is just trimmings. But it's like she has an amazing relationship. Why? Because at a critical time in her life, I was willing to fight him, everything, and her to get there. And I tell you, they may not appreciate it when they're 14, but when they're 30, they're like, thanks, Dad. Let me move on. Number four, to discipline. That's implied in the word train. It means to make Hike, uh, hiking adjustments on the trail. Ephesians 6.4 really helps clear this up for us. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. So he's taking this macho thing and he's saying, listen, come on, you, your crazy temper, that's not what we're talking about when we say discipline. This doesn't mean you get to beat the heck out of your kids because of yours. So he's wanting to make it very clear. And then he puts the word, but rather bring them up with the discipline, the structure, the order, and the instruction that comes from the Lord. And it's like you need to provide this. You need to, you need to train your children. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. But most people here, if you have a 12-year-old or older, have probably given your child a mobile phone. Uh, an Android if you don't love them, and an Apple if you do love them. But if it, but you have probably given them a phone. Now don't raise your hand. How many of you trained them how to use that phone? What? I just gave it to it's their birthday. And I they give they age your phone. Okay, now I don't want you going to this site, this site, this site, okay? You can do it. Usually what we do is have a manic training. All of a sudden, you open up your 12-year-old boy's phone, and he's got a nudie patootie picture on it. And then you're like, what the heck is this? And you yell at him, and you scream at him, and you tell him you can't do it. But how many of you, when you gave them the phone, you trained them? This is what we look at. This is what we don't look at. This is, oh, yeah, by the way, this is a software I'm putting on it called Covenant Eyes. It will track where you go. You say, that's ridiculous. Really? Really? I mean... Do you just drop a 12-year-old in the middle of the woods in Zion or in in Grand Tetons or in Yellowstone? That would be interesting. Just drop them in the middle and just say, hey, I trust you. Find your way home, back to the cabin. No, you provide guidelines for a 12-year-old or for a 15-year-old. So let me ask you, are you training them? Are you training them how to date? And here's the big problem with this one. It's because I know when you dated you slept with your girlfriend, or you slept with your boyfriend, or you lived together before you got married. Okay, so you made the mistake. But mercy and forgiveness are here. They're awesome. God forgives you. Just because I went through a divorce doesn't mean I, you know, boot the concept of faithful marriage. I'm the one that messed up. She's the one that messed up. But it didn't the ideal is still there. And so, so let me encourage you, if you messed up on dating, that doesn't mean if you had a child when you were 16, and he's like, well, I, what right do I have to teach my, my daughter to not sleep with a guy before marriage? I messed up, and she knows I messed up. It's like, no, we're te- We're not teaching train up a child in your ways. No, train up a child in the Lord's ways. And part of those ways are mercy and forgiveness from God to you as a parent. And then you just impart that to your kids. You know, so it's so important. Don't just give your kid a phone. Don't just allow your kids to have a boy at the house or a girl at the house or stay out. There's got to be some sort of system and training that's laid out. You know, God's all-important message to the future of Israel. You know, if I was a God or if I was a leader of a nation, you know, you think about what what's gonna make a nation great or good. And so just think about it in America. What makes us great and good? Strong military. Ah, love the military. Dude, man, I love it. I love high-tech lasers blowing things up, I love battleships, I love submarines. Then there's the Army and the Air Force, but the Navy. I mean, the Navy is just absolutely amazing, and it's powerful. we got the greatest Navy in the world, and I just love it, and that's what's going to lead us into the next decade, and it's like, or, or it's our wealth. You know, it's, it's our money, it's our whatever. But listen to what God says leads the nation into the next generation. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with your soul, and with all your might. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and we can imply daughters, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. I mean, he's telling Israel, here's how you be great in the future. He's telling America, this is how you're going to be great in the future. Oh, why, tell me about it. Is it what stock to invest in? What what weaponry do we put on our ships? What if he's like, train up a child in the way they should go? You want to make a nation great? Raise great children. Train them up in compassion, in truth, righteousness, justice, equity, fairness, love, mercy, all those things. He's like, and because I'll tell you right now, if we fail at home in 25 years, America will not be here. It will not be here. We have confused the heck out of our kids, right down to the biological definition of of, of our species. And it's like, well, how do we get it back on track? Mom and dad. Mom and dad, I'm not going to get the school district to change their policy. Yeah, I'll do as much as I can. It's like I can't fix somebody else's family, but as for me and my house, yeah, we're going to we're going to do it God's way. We're going to love God, we're going to we're going to learn about righteousness. We're going to learn about truth, we're going to learn about forgiveness and mercy. You know, that's the way that we ensure America's place on the earth will not be through our military as great as it is. It will be How we parent. That will determine whether or not America is worth saving. I know that's some really strong words, but when God was talking to Israel, his people, his bride, he said, Listen, here's how we take this thing forward parenting, leadership, training. It's important. It's not something you let just happen. If your kids are gonna grow up and be jerks, if your kids are gonna grow up and be lazy, If your kids are going to grow up and be drunks, and if your kids are going to grow up and die and go to hell, let it be their choice. But not let it be because of a lack of training. We have that power. We have that mandate. We have the castle doctrine. We are to fight for our homes and for our children. And the last thing is this is to delight in our kids. You know, you get moms, dads, you get caught in getting them here. And and I know they turn 13, you know, and that's really like a weird thing. And then they become 15, and you thought 13 was weird. And then you get 15, and and it gets kind of weird. And then they get too smart for their own britches when they turn 18, and and you're an idiot. And not that I've experienced this, but, like, you're a blooming idiot. And then right about 25, maybe about 28, they begin thinking, like, you might be not an idiot, and maybe about 30, if you did it right at 35, you might also begin looking pretty brilliant. But here's one of the most important things you need to do. Delight in your children, okay? Don't, don't just delight in their accomplishments. I love it when I run into a parent. Oh, hey Paul, how you doing? Good, how are your kids? And I know they really don't wanna know about my kids. They want me to hear about their kids. Uh, not always, but it happens that way. And I'll be like, oh, the kids are good. And I'm just about like, ah. oh, yeah, well, little Jimmy, he's up there at, uh, he's at Duke. He's getting his third doctorate. Uh, yeah, it looks like Apple's going to pick him up and he's going to be inventing new AI. It's going to be I'm like, okay, all right, let's go through it all. It's like, no, celebrate your child, who they are, not their accomplishments, not how many f- field goals they kick, not how much they benefit. Yeah, you can have fun with that too. That's kind of cool. I mean, I like that, but celebrate them. Delight in them. Your 40-year-old child needs to know that, that no matter how far they've messed up with their lives, what they didn't become, though they told you at the age of eight, they wanted to become a weatherman, and they didn't become a weatherman. You delight in who they are and what God can do in their life. There's nothing more powerful than the delight, and I'm going to say this, the delight of a father over a child. I want to, just, just in case you don't know what that looks like, I want to show you what delight looks in a child. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, my God. Woo! Woo! Yes! Woo! Oh, my gosh. Look at this. my yes. yeah. Can we weigh this one? <laughs> <laughs> Can we weigh it? Yeah, we'll weigh it. Yes. Yeah. So 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 Thank you, my shade. <laughs> Daddy! Yeah! <laughs> yeah! That was exciting. Oh my god. <laughs> I feel so good. Oh my god. Did you hear what she said? I feel so good. Golly, you think you have to be a lot of things for your kids, delight over them. Even when they they fail, delight over them when they make the wrong choice. Sure, you correct. You try to help them get back on trail. But always, just like our, that's the great thing about God as we close. The great thing about God is I could have grown up and been a great many things. But God delights in who I am. He loves me. I am his son. I am his delight. I am his beloved. You have that powerful gift to give your child. Don't call your son today and say, so where are you working now? Did you get that job? Just call him unconditionally and say, hey, just want to let you know. I'm glad you're my son. And if you messed up, say, hey, just want to let you know. i You and I both know I wasn't a great dad. But I am smart enough to know that I'm proud that you're my child. You want to change the history of a person or a family or a nation? Delight over your child while protecting your child, while guiding your child, while training your child. It's powerful. God knew that. That's why yeah, I'll tell Abraham about the future because I know he'll raise his kids in the present, in the things of God. Father, we thank you so much for your love. Thank you that for all of us here that have kind of messed this up and we've screwed it up. Just like Adam and Eve. You didn't just kick him out of the garden, you life loser drop out, you're drunk get out of my garden yes they may have messed up the garden but Adam and Eve did not leave the garden by themselves God went with them God please help us not to leave our kids by themselves but may our prayers our training. Our words of encouragement, our challenges, instruction from the Lord. May our example, may it go with them. And God, for anyone here that's like me that fell short of this ideal, forgive me. And lead me to a place of restoration with any of my children where I have failed them that God, just because we may have failed, that does not mean the ideal is no longer. Through mercy and truth and love, we go back and we train our children to be what you want them to be. So as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we are reminded that we are always invited back to the table. And may this be a reminder that we always invite our children No matter what they've done, back to the table.